Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin ve salatu ve selamu ala seyyidil mursalin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in amma ba'd. Allahu ala kulli şeyin kadir. İbn Ata'illah says, Meta a'taka eşhedeke birrahu ve meta mena'aka eşhedeke kahrahu fehuve fi kulli zalika muta'arrifun ileyke ve muqbilun bi vücudi lutfihi aleyke. When he gives, he shows you his kindness. When he deprives, he shows you his power. And in all that, he is making himself known to you and coming to you with his gentleness. What he means by this is, we are, all human beings are in two different states, either of the two states. Sometimes we're just enjoying bounties. Things aren't going wrong. There's no obstacles on our path. Everything seems to be going smoothly. So this is considered the time of Fath. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dealing with us with His generosity. Apparent generosity, it's all generous generosity, but apparent generosity. So He's giving us. Humans love to get. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, <clears throat> That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, then you're excited and happy. And when He doesn't give you, then you become extremely mean. So the encouragement in this is to understand that Allah has a wisdom in all of these states that He keeps us in and how He's dealing with us. They're all part of the plan. It's not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala necessarily hates us because we're in difficulty or that difficulty has come to us because He hates us. <clears throat> the biggest aspect of tawfiq is the fact that we actually see through it. And we can see above this and that these things not be things that push us down despite the nature of them being such. It's the fitna. It's, that is what it is. The straightforward definition of fitna, the most easiest, the easiest uh, definition of fitna is something that detracts you from Allah. Simple as that. And the more something detracts you from Allah, the bigger the fitna it is. So if my phone is detracting me from Allah, if clips on YouTube are, then that's a fitna. The more it does that, the bigger fitna it is for me. And everybody needs to recognize what fitna is in their life. If it's playing pool or snooker or computer games, and that is the fitna. If it's just sitting down and being lazy, being stagnant, then that's another fitna. Uh, sitting down and thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not doing anything wrong, taking a moment of rest, that's part of ibadah, that's part of ibadah. But if that becomes the life, that a person just sits down and does nothing, doesn't fulfill the uh, responsibilities, sleeps all day, then of course then that becomes a fitna. So anything that detracts from Allah is a fitna. That's why Allah says, إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأُولَادُكُمْ fitna." That verily your amwal, your wealth, um, <coughs> somebody here. Verily your wealth and your children are a fitna because they have the propensity to distract you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person just needs to recognize where things are coming from. 
That's why he says, When he gives you, he wants to, you to witness his kindness. He wants you to recognize his kindness. And when he withholds from you, then he just wants to show you that he has the power to do that. And you have no ability. So the power he's withholding from you, how does that how is that a sign of power? The, it's a sign of power in the sense that when he's withholding from you, the way we understand it is that something is we're not getting something. <clears throat> so it's a deprivation of sorts. But really what it is, is that from our perspective, we feel that we can't attain what we want to attain. Things aren't going right for us. These obstacles aren't removed from our path. These challenges I can't deal with. So he's preventing, but we see it as us being prevented. Us being not, be, not able to get something because he hasn't enabled it. So when he's withholding, he's showing his power that I can withhold from you and you have nowhere to turn and you can't do anything. Those states are good. To go through these states, it's really good to go through these states with understanding, of course. Without understanding, then they are a major problem because people lose their faith like that as well. But you're not going to lose your faith if you have some iman built. That's the point of making the iman and strengthening the heart with the dhikr of Allah that when these states come, a person is able to deal with them. <clears throat> so then, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's beautiful names, as we know, is one is Latif, the subtle one, the one who does things in the most complicated, elaborate ways because everything is under his jurisdiction. Everything is as his will. So at the same time that he's Latif, he's also Rahim, the most merciful one, which is the dominant name that he has. So when you have Rahim and Latif, that shows that he can be merciful in the most subtle ways we only realize afterwards that that was the aim and goal of it that all of this difficulty that just came through it actually prevented me from a much bigger problem and it's happened so many times it's happened so many times so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala huwa latifun bi'ibadih he is latif with his that's the way he deals with his servants rahimun bi khalqihi fi kulli waqtin and he is merciful to his creation at all times ala kulli hal and in every state whether he is giving them at that point in time or whether he is withholding from them it's still a part of his mercy and subtle movement within his creation so if he does give them and he does open up for them and <coughs> he does give them an opening then he is giving them he is making them witness his his generosity his benevolence so then they recognize by that they recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does show kindness to his servants and he deals with them in certain subtle ways he is extremely benevolent noble generous and uh, has good will for them so then what happens with that what is supposed to happen with that with all the bounties that we have, alhamdulillah, the, the clothing that we have, the cars that we have, the place and security that we have, what are we supposed to give back to Allah? The idea of all of this is to recognize that all of this is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their love for Him should increase. If it doesn't increase, then that's where the delusion is. So this is what this path is teaching us, how to deal with Allah in every act that we live in this world. 
That's why when we come here on Saturdays, the idea of this is not just to be a bayan that you can you're supposed to hear anywhere else. We wouldn't be speaking about these things in general gatherings because people will misunderstand many of these things. People are you have every type of person listening to a Jumu'ah bayan, but you're not going to have every type of person coming to a majlis in the path. So what is required here is the subtleties, and this is what Ibn Atta'illah is giving us here. So the whole idea of this ihsan is ta'zumu mahabbatuhum fihi. But not contingent on that. This is the big mistakes other people make where they, uh, when Allah gives them, they love Him. When He doesn't give them, then they complain about Him. Subhanallah. This is at the beginning that you complain about Allah because you don't recognize Allah and you think you have a right to complain. Children do that. Children do that. You know, I've uh, had some feedback on this and uh, they, they will actually make a decision to complain about Allah. Oh Allah, you being stingy. So it's a conscious decision in that childish mind of theirs that they're doing this. When something doesn't go right, they go so frustrated that they start complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thinking it's going to help them. They haven't recognized Allah. It's as simple as that. Once you recognize Allah that He is just totally transcendent and above and most powerful and there's nothing what we do that can affect Him, then you just say, forget it. What's the point? Then it's best to just be on His side. So when the bounties come, the mahabbat and the love of Him should increase. In fact, يَكْثُرُ شَوْقُهُمْ وَإِشْتِيَاقُهُمْ إِلَيْهِ zeal, their shawq, their fervor should increase to be closer to him. I want to be closer to him. وَيَكْثُرُوا shukruhum, And their shukr and gratitude should increase. فَيَزْدَادُ naimuhum, And when you do that, then Allah will give you even more. Because he's promised that if you are thankful, Allah will give you more. On the other hand, when he prevents something from us, when things go, become difficult for us, that's him preventing when he constrains matters for us, tightens the situation, you get a contraction as opposed to an expansion. You know, these are, cons- these are terms. Bust and qabd in tasawuf. Qabd means when you feel contracted. Things aren't going right. You just don't feel like doing something. It happens. It happens. You just have to write it out. And then there's a state of bust. When you enjoy your worship, when you feel like doing more, that's bust. It's an easier state. But the qabd is also part of this life because this life is not supposed to be so predictable. It, there's supposed to be the ups and downs of this life. It's the dunya and we have a heart. And the heart is known for its... The heart is called qalb in Arabic and qalb means to be up and down. When you do taqlib of something, you put it upside down. So the word qalb actually comes from that. It doesn't stay in that place. It has to be worked on very hard for it to stay. That's when you, when you, when you get the nafs al-mutma'inna, the, the totally satiated, tranquil soul. That's when, you've got, when we have more chance of it staying straight. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholds from us and has a point of contraction there, then He is making us witness His power, His wrath, His greatness, His majesty. So that we can also recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most powerful one, is the independent one, is the mighty one and the majestic one. 
Azimun Jalilun Kabirun Kaharun. All of these names, he has to manifest them. Fakhafu min satwatihi. So then people become fearful. This is supposed to make a person fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reverently fearful. Helplessly fearful. In the sense that it's supposed to make us think that at the end of the day I recognize I am his servant. Because in the first state, a person could be misguided to think that everything is coming from him. So sometimes this state forces us to make us feel helpless. And feelings of helplessness in this world is, are quite helpful sometimes. So they melt, min khashyatihi, they melt in his fear. All their arrogance goes. And they have to succumb to his majesty. So then their ibadah becomes better. They increase their worship to make Allah happy. Their sins decrease. Their evil traits, they get a grip on them. Have you seen people who are arrogant and then they've had a problem in their life, like a court case or something? You see all of their arrogance gone. Before that, you'd see them in the masjid arguing left, right and center, strutting along, shouting at people, right? as though they are you know, the, the, the uh, big pehelwans. And then suddenly, one day you see them very calm, considerate, looking down, soft-spoken. You've never seen them soft-spoken. And what happened? And then somebody else tells you, oh, he's got a problem. This is what it does to people. They would never address somebody with nice words, and now they're addressing, because now they've recognized what it feels to be on the other side. Subhanallah. So their evil traits become erased. On the Day of Judgment, when they come, people who have been... Now, the thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... There are certain people... For example, I had a friend uh, when I was in Santa Barbara. He, he was actually instrumental in bringing me to Santa Barbara in America because he's the one who was look, uh, put it on some boards that were looking for an imam and so on. And then from India, I went there. And then he moved out of the area. And then he went to he went moved to another place. But I saw that Bichara, he was such a nice guy. Probably the, the, the, the most righteous guy in that area, always considering about the masjid, soft-spoken, all the rest. But I also saw that he had many tests. Accidents, this, that and the other. you know. But at the end of the day, this is just what happens to certain people. To raise their status. May Allah, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now if he was a, an arrogant person who this was happening to, we could say it's a punishment. But when you think that he's a righteous individual and these kind of tests are constantly coming on him, I can only say that his... I've done business with him, so I know he's a very righteous... He, he, he doesn't care for the world. right? He doesn't care for the world. You know, we can only say what we see from the apparent. We can't guarantee anything. But at the end of the day, I used to always think, you know, Bichara, it's him. It's him that it's happening to. But that's just the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possibly raising his status. So then on the Day of Judgment, some people will arrive khifafan mutahharin, light, without burden, burden of sin. Purified, fariheen, extremely happy, extremely satisfied. Because there's a hadith to the effect that إِذْ لَا يَجْمَعُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ خَوْفَيْنِ وَلَا أَمْنَيْنِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not ever 
combine two states of fear on a person or two states of security on a person. Had to be understood. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes through a fearful, uh, gives Allah, whoever Allah gives fear in this world, meaning when these kind of things happen, they are fearful of Allah. They are fearful of Allah in general. They don't have this sense of aman and security that nothing's going to happen to me. They're always constantly fearful that, look, I need to preserve my faith. Whoever Allah has given that state in this world, he will have safety on the day of judgment. He won't have much fear on that. The amount of fear you have in this world of Allah, that's how much security you'll have in the hereafter. Because Allah doesn't combine the two. You can't have fear in this world and in the hereafter. Now you might be saying, well, even the prophets will be fearful. Yes, they will be fearful according to their status. But they'll also have room to, to feel good about things. Right? It won't be a feeling of total total. Uh, despondency. There's always going to be fear. I might, he might pick me up for this. He might pick me up for this. But generally, it sounds good. It sounds good. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, whoever Allah has kept with a, a, a semblance of security in this world completely, and by that, the person has become deluded. So there's n nothing wrong with having had all good things in this life without having too much persecution or problem. There's nothing wrong with that. That's afia. As long as the person did not become deceived by this, into thinking that this is my doing, this is my virtue. So if a person has become deluded, then akhafahu yawm al-qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place him into fear on the day of judgment. So what the shaykh is saying right here is do not accuse your Lord. O person of the path, do not accuse your Lord when he prevents something from you. Because when he gives you, you're supposed to recognize that he's the Kareem Lord. And you're then supposed to be only turning to him for your needs and not to anybody else. Because he is reminding you that all good benevolence and gifts come from him. So you should only be asking him and not anybody else, which was the status of the Sahaba. One Sahabi says that once the Prophet ﷺ told me that don't ask your needs from anybody but Allah. So then on some occasions if I had gotten on top of my animal to ride it and my whip that he drives the animal with had fallen down, most people just say, can you please pass it to me because it's quite a struggle to get off and on an animal. But he wouldn't even do that. He would get off because the Prophet ﷺ told him do not ask anybody but Allah. So that's the level of tawakkul that he was trying to get them to, and which he did. So the whole idea of this is, is that you, we recognize it comes from Allah, and then we only ask Him. See, that's the second benefit here. First, to recognize it comes from Him and to thank Him. And number two, it's to only depend on Him. This way, a person will become free of the disease of extreme greed and avarice extreme greed and avarice desire for the dunya dunya dunya when you know it's all coming from Allah then after that a person should become free of this um, sadness and sorrow should go because you're fully connected to Allah that you know he's giving anyway and that he can give. 
And then what it should do for a person is that it should also make them imbibe these character, these these, these uh, praiseworthy character types within them as well. So a person should start to help others. A person should start to be benevolent to others, compassionate towards others, gift others, help others and assist others. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves it that a person, that people take on his goodly character. And they reciprocate it. That's why there's a hadith uh, which says, تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ الرَّحْمَانِ تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ الرَّحْمَانِ Which means, um, adopt the character of the Rahman. And when Aisha radiallahu anha was asked about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to de- describe him, she said, his character is the Qur'an. She said that adaban, her maqsad, her objective was to say that his character is like Allah's character. But she, out of adab to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can Allah, you know, how can you compare? She said the Quran, but the Quran is filled with the character of Rahman, that's how we know him. So that was just her way of saying it. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents something from us, gives us contraction, then he is just showing us his might and his greatness. So then we recognize that he is the Qaharun Jabbarun. He is the one with wrath and greatness and majesty and grandeur. فَيَعْظُمْ خَوْفُكْ Our khawf should increase and our awe for him should increase. Our haya and uh, modesty uh, in front of him should increase. And a person is only going to uh, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to how much he knows him. A person is only going to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to how much he knows about Allah and his workings, how close he feels to him and his fear for him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these subtle acts of giving and withholding is trying to make himself known to us. That's his kindness. He's not a passive Lord. Now you understand from this that our belief is that Allah is not a passive Lord, but someone who is extremely engaged in every moment of a person's life. There's something happening. He's an active Lord that's doing something. That's our belief. He's telling us, he's asking us, recognize me, understand my sifat, understand my characteristics, understand my names. So for example, his name of Al-Kareem, the demand of that name is that he gives and he acts benevolently. Because that means the noble one, the gracious one, the kind one. Kareem, that's what it means. So that's clear. That's, that's how he it manifests among his creation. Then he has a, another name, Al-Mani'. Al-Mani'. That's another name of Allah. Mani' means the withholder, the preventer. That obviously demands that some kind of prevention is manifested in the world. That a person doesn't get something that he wants. So that applies. Then he has Al-Muntaqim, the avenger, the one who takes revenge for the evil that a person does. He has another name, Al-Qahar, the one with wrath, the mighty one. That demands that that is manifest among certain people or individuals 
among certain nations sometimes. So every name of his is like that. It expects some kind of manifestation in the world. So sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that, sometimes it's two together. That's what's happening here. That's the way of Allah working in this world. So when a person recognizes what's happening, whether a person is receiving or a person is being withheld from, then you will recognize that it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just dealing with his creation with his lutf. It's just Allah doing what he what he's doing. So they will things will take on a better meaning. Initially it just felt like we're being deprived. We feel bad inside. That's the worst part of it. What what is what is the problem with being deprived of something when something doesn't go right? When you can't get what you want, you feel bad. It's the human nature to do that. So we're being taught here how to overcome that problem. Then being given or not being given becomes the same to a person. In the sense of being able to deal with it. We still have to thank Allah and be patient and be satisfied with His decree. All of that works. But at the end of the day, it's not going to trouble us too much. <clears throat> you see people, subhanAllah, once I remember, <clears throat> I used to be part of this clergy group. We used to meet once a month or something like that for a, a lunch. In, this was in Santa Barbara. Lot, all the priests, the pastors and the church leaders. And there were some few uh, Jewish rabbis. One of the Jewish rabbis who I'd spoken to a few times before. And he was uh, uh, from the Reformed Church. Because the Orthodox wouldn't come. But the Reformed Church. And he lost his job. They took him You know, like Imam loses his job. Right? They took him out. Right? And... The next time I met him, I can't believe the kind of depression I saw him in. I've never seen an imam that depressed. Imams lose their jobs. They have problems with their committees. I've never seen an imam that depressed. They just go and find another job. And if they can't do it, they go and get a taxi job. Right? At the end of the day, they get something or the other. Never seen somebody. So this person, I felt sorry for him. Subhanallah. He just sounded so helpless, so despondent. Yes, he must have had a bad experience. I can understand the gripe of experience, but it was just a sign of proper despondency. So when you have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this won't affect you like that. Yeah, you learn from mistakes. All of this, the zahiri aspect of it will be there, but the internal aspect, you'll be strong. No problem, we'll do something else. And that tawakkul is what drives a person in this world and is what gives it the success. The inner fortitude, that is what is the secret of the people of Allah. They have the inner fortitude. It doesn't matter what odds they're in front of. Because they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows their state. So a person, a seeker should try to always seek out what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing at that moment with them. And understand that this is just the manifestations of his jalal and jamal, his beauty and his majesty that is just taking place. Okay, this is his majesty. I'm going to just succumb to it. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can't do anything. Subhanallah. You know, this is Allah's manifestation. That kind of affectionate response that we give. Now, uh, Haji Imdadullah, who was uh, one of the great scholars, uh, one, of, one of the great uh, awliya of India, I remember reading one of his stories that once he became sick, he became ill. Now this is not something we can do, but this is something somebody at a very high level does. And this is just a manifestation of this. That when they've recognized that everything comes from Allah, they're so in tune to that. They're so in tune to that, that then it doesn't matter. 
they literally become they succumb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and desire. Literally, all pretenses, all arrogance, all independence goes. They become true ibad of Allah. So when he became sick, he literally told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this is getting, this is more than the level we're speaking about. This is another level. So he says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not going to ask you for getting better. You can keep me like this as long as you want. And his idea was that I'll just see how long he keeps me like that for. So he is undergoing this suffering, not asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make him better. Because he wants to just see how long Allah wants him to be like that. Now that's another state. That's a state when the person has accomplished this stage, then they get into the stage of a friendship of some sort. Where they can push it in that see how much it's a very special relationship and nobody can do this unless a person really knows that they can anybody else would be silly to do that right uh, oh Allah I'm leaving it to you I don't care you, you keep me like that he just wanted to see how long Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to keep him like that like Ayyub alayhi salam doesn't matter I mean if you said this outside it almost becomes like a Relationship between two lovers. When you read these stories, uh, common people find this like, how can you put Allah down to such a level that you are, you know, this kind of love relationship develops? It's, people who've experienced it can say it. I can't say it. Nobody else can say it. But we don't deny it. But anyway, this is an extremely important uh, perspective to be had uh, to live this life and to be successful because without this, we will be constantly faltering. This is extremely important that a person recognizes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dealing with them in his own way in any state that he keeps them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us afiyah. May Allah keep us away from trials and tribulation. We don't ask for them. But... If they do come upon us, then we know how to deal with them. And that is what we need to develop. That's why in the next one, which we're not going to read today, it says, إِنَّمَا يُؤْلِمُكَ الْمَنْعُ لِعَدَمِ فَهْمِكَ عَنِ اللَّهِ فِيهِ Something being withheld from you only brings you pain because you don't understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's act in that. That's why it brings you pain. So the whole purpose of this is that the pain goes. The, and that's uh, uh, one example that the mashayikh say is that the difference between a wali of Allah and others is that they both get pain. Uh, sorry, they both, they, they both un, uh, uh, undergo trials and uh, physical pain, these kind of things. The only difference is that the wali of Allah has what may be considered like a glass house or structure over him. So the pain, the, the difficulties, the calamities are sh showering down on him and are coming down on him. But internally he's protected. So his heart is protected with this glass box. So everything is happening but he's still fine. He's still doing his worship. May Allah help us. So he says here, the purpose of man's creation is that he acquires the gnosis of his creator and his lofty attributes. That's the purpose. 
how Allah helps us to do this is what this is all about. Hence, he says that he did not create jinn and man except that they worship him. The hadith literature clarifies that the acquisition of his gnosis is not possible without his bestowal. We can't understand Allah without him wanting to understand him. The way of gaining gnosis is to reflect on the predestined circumstances and conditions that may overtake one. In this way does the servant gain insight into the workings of his master. Now if you're, if you're at work, if you are at work, when you first start work or you go to a new school or something, sometimes some things happen which upset you in the beginning. You feel that you, you feel that people may be against you or something like that. Just certain things, they, they cause you discomfort. But once you've been there for one or two years and you understand the way it works and that this happens to everybody, then you just suddenly feel like, oh, okay. If you look back, that upset you before, but now it doesn't because you know why it happens. And that this is just one of those peculiarities of this place. Can't think of a particular example, but I can feel the experience of this. That you start something, you go to university or whatever, and then just something happened, it just seemed really weird, made you uncomfortable. And you felt it personally. But then after a year or two, once you've been there, you know the ropes, and you, it's just normal. So it's about understanding the grand affairs of things with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person does that, then they feel normal. This doesn't come with experience. It comes with knowledge to recognize that this is the case. Because we're going to have to go through the experience. But it has to, we have to, but we're always going to feel bad. So when you know that it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah wills, wish, wishes well for us and we want to get closer to Him, then this becomes easier to understand. Gnosis reaches the servant according to his circumstances. He who possesses proper intelligence will, uh, will therefore gain gnosis from Allah in every condition. Expounding upon this concept, the Shaykh is saying that, O traveller, when Allah Most High bestows some bounty on you, He is in reality displaying His generosity and kindness to you. And when He withholds His gifts from you, involving you in difficulties and hardship, He displays to you His attribute of anger and power. He, the traveller who derives a lesson from every state is the most fortunate. He derives the gnosis of His Master in every moment. He understands how His Master acts in each of these states. His heart brims with delight on account of the treasure of gnosis. Now you might be thinking, what pleasure are you going to get from knowing that it's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Still a pain, isn't it? It's still harm, it's still being withheld, it's still deprivation. So why, what kind of happiness are you going to get? The happiness you're going to get is that I understand Allah. He's given me something. But this has to be a gift. This is not a personal achievement. I think this is where it's the most common. This is the crux of it. This is the crux of it. And I think this is something that has to be experienced to really be benefited from. Otherwise, it just seems like a theory. So when a person recognizes that Allah has given me the ability to withstand this and not be influenced by this, that's a massive liberation. The servant, shorn of intelligence, directs his attention to the gift bestowed upon him while he is forgetful of Allah. 
So his focus becomes the objects. He regards himself deserving of the gift. He thus develops pride. During conditions of adversity, then he suffers. Because he doesn't recognize that it's coming from Allah. And it's just an act of Allah. Hence he complains and proves his ingratitude. We seek refuge in Allah. So when you get frustrated with something, don't start complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he did this or he did that. Um, it's not the case.